Okay. Okay, the topic for tonight is Sfirah Ta'omah. We're going to begin by citing a brief excerpt from Tosis and the Sechta Megillah on the Abchof Omad Beis. Tosis calls the Bahag, the Baal Halachos Gedolos, one of the Gaonim who lived a long time ago, the Kufas Gaonim, who says as follows. If somebody forgot to count, Hecha the Inchi Levarak Belaila, an individual forgot to count Sfira at night, Yivnel Amachar below Bracha, count the next day, we all are familiar with this, and going back to the source, without a Bracha, Vichain Halacha, that's how we accept the Halacha, that the next day you count without a Bracha. Avol, in Shokach Laila Viyom, a person forgot to count at night and forgot to count the next day as well. Lo yimne o de bracha. You're familiar with this. You miss the day completely. You don't count with the bracha. Why? The be'inon tamimos v'leka. Sheba shabbosos tamimos tiyena. Says the Baal halachas gedolos. If an individual missed the day completely, both by night and the next day, then he can no longer count with a bracha. This is called the halacha in the Shulchan Aruch. In Simitot Peites, Siv Zayin Mches Zayin. Shachach below berech kol alayla yisvavayom below brach. Shorten to the point. Ches im shachach levarach beechad meayomim. He forgot to count one of the days, so he should just say that he can no longer count with a brach. He does say that. Sofer b'shayomim below brach. That is there, but there are two additions which are noteworthy. The first addition, bein yom rishon. Bain Mishayom. If you forgot one day, whether you forgot the first day or the thirty-first day, for example, so then you're knocked out. Now, why is the Shulchanot mentioning this? We know you forgot a day, you forgot a day. What's the difference if it's the first day, the tenth day, the twentieth day? Question number one. Then he asks, Avalim hu misupuk him dileg yomechad below sofa. If he's in doubt whether he skipped the day or not. Yisbar b'shayomim bibroch. Now you count the other days with a broch. And the question is, why? Let's analyze one at a time. Why did the Shulchan Aruch go out of his way to say whether it's the first day or any other day? That's a good question. He's coming to the exclusion of the opinion of Rabbi Nisadjigon. Rabbi Nisadjigon has a noteworthy opinion. Quite remarkable. He says... If a person forgot day 20, you can keep right on going. But if he forgot day 1, it's a knockout. So right to have go. Quoted in Torah. And of course the question becomes, why should that be so? What's the difference? If you skip one day, day 1, day 20, what's the difference? So far we don't want to answer that question so far. Okay. The second addition, if you're a misupuk, if you don't know what do you do, that source is in the Truma Tadeshi. And the Mishnah Brewer explains what it's based upon. A halacha concept called Svek Sveka. So you see, we're learning in the Yeshiva Ksubis, the famous Svek Sveka. Two doubts. Let's remember. If a person forgot completely, it's a major dispute whether that knocks you out or not. True, the Baal Halachas Kodolos said so. That if you miss one day, you're, you're finished. But not everybody agrees with him. So it's one suffix. That's how we count beyond that without a bracha, because we're not sure. Suffix brachos lahakil. Now, suffix number two. You're not sure whether you forgot or whether you didn't forget. So you have two separate and distinct sveikos, and as a result, you have a right to count even with a bracha, 
Because number one, maybe you really did count. You just, you're not sure if you forgot or not. And number two, even if you forgot, maybe the halach is against the Baha'i, and you may continue to count, even with the brach. So you have a sex fit. That's the basis for this dinner in the Shulchanach. Okay. In explaining this though, the Mishnah Brura, in his Sifkot and Ches, is a very noteworthy phraseology, formulation. Listen very carefully to what he says. He says, if the person skipped the day, Shema Halacha Ka'osa and Poskin, maybe the Halacha accords with those authorities who disagree with the Baha'i, and look how he phrases it. The Chol Yom Hu Mitzvah Bifnei Atzmo. That the way to justify the view that you skip one day, you can continue counting with the Bracha, is to say what? That each and every day is a separate and distinct Mitzvah. This leads to a, an inference that the Bahad holds differently. That we don't say that each and every day is a separate and distinct mitzvah, but rather, as is conventional wisdom, that all 49 days constitute one big mitzvah. <laughs> Hence, if you forget one day, you can no longer go on. This is the impression that's conveyed from the expression of the Mishnah Brewer. Now, this being the case, what happened to the first 20 days? You forgot day 21. You made 20 brachas. How would you characterize those 20 brachas according to this understanding? Come on. That's right. 20 brachas levatala. It's a high stakes uh, gamble. Because you know, <laughs> every day you just hope you're not going to forget. Because if you miss one day according to this understanding, it's going to be a bracha levatala. In fact, the Mishnah Brura, and this is the women should pay very careful attention to this line, very important. The Mishnah Brura tells us at the very beginning of this simon, simon tough pay test of cotton gimel, that women are exempt from sphere. Why? Who knows the answer? Why are they exempt? Mrs. Asay, Sheha, Mangrum. Very nice. Should they volunteer? The Mishnah Brura is not encouraging. Not encouraging. And he said if they want to volunteer, they shouldn't make a bracha. Why? Before the spirit charts. Before the thing on the telephone with the alarm going off with all kinds of little reminders that we have for ourselves. Men would dab and marvin, remember. Women would often not dab and marvin, they just forget Sira. So if you don't start on day one, because you're going to miss day 40, and that's the 39 brachas levatala. So writes the Mr. Brewer here in Sivkatan Gimel. This being the case as well, if someone knows in advance, He's not going to be able to complete the full sphere account. If you know in advance, it's hard to visualize the case, we'll see some, some examples. If you know in advance that you're not going to be able to complete the sphere account from 1 to 49 without any interruption, well then don't begin. Or sooner don't begin with a bracha, because you're going to run right into a what problem? What problem? Bracha levatola. For example, I'll just give a, a wild example. Some have to have an elective surgery. They knock them out to 24 hours. Just imagine a case. They tell you in advance, you have to go for surgery in, in three weeks. It's going to be before Shavuos. You have to go under the, under the anesthesia for 24 hours straight. You know that now. So the thoughts that counted with a bracha now would be suicide. You're, you're, you're just making brachas to the one after the other. It would be terrible. Now let me tell you a story. I, I don't tell too many stories because the time is short, but one story I'll tell you. The story I heard from Rabbi Alpert, the Chorona Lebrocha, 
who told me the story who went to the dinner together. It was very boring. And he told me stories. This story, he was just couldn't believe it. The story is about the late Rabbi Yosef Royer, Zechrona Lebracha, who was the rabbi of the Kaladas Asher in Washington Heights. And this is the story. He passed away at age 98. He prayed all his life to Hashem that whatever his ailment, he couldn't see at the end of his life, he wanted to be clear to the last moment. The last day of his life was a Shabbos. Was in, I think Beth Israel Hospital, and he was surrounded by three of his grandchildren, all of whom were physicians. And they were reporting various things. And one of the things they reported to Rabbi Alfred was that they couldn't understand the night before that Friday night, Rabbi Roy <coughs> great excitement and enthusiasm, but when it came to Sira, he suddenly they didn't say it. it said Olenu and they said Opa you forgot to say Svira so he said Ish bin I'm not clean he made an excuse and they couldn't understand what was going on with why didn't Opa say Svira they told one more story which would give us the, the genius of Rabbi Broya how his wish was fulfilled clear to the last minute they said you know but Rabbi Alfred but by the time Shabbos lunch rolled around, we think that maybe he wasn't so clear. Why? Because after he finished lunch and he was singing his mirrors, he did something very strange. What did he do? He took a piece of challah and he put it in the pocket of his pajamas. He thought maybe that he really wasn't clear at that point anymore. And he passed away two hours later. Now the Alpha started jumping up and down. Because the Gemara tells us if someone passes away on Shabbos, it's a question of muktzah. And the way one overcomes the mukta is to have what's called a kikarotino, to have a kikar in your pocket. But by Broy already knew that his day, his, 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 was, literally his hours were numbered, so he put a, a roll in his pocket to avoid any mukta problem, and that's why I'm convinced, and my Albert convinced me, that he didn't count fewer the night before. He already figured out he's not going to make it. He's, he felt himself, he's not going to live till Shavuos. And he must have been of the opinion, as is inferred from the Mishnah Brewer, that you're not going to make it, you just don't, you don't count with the bracha, you just don't count at all. Wow. So, speaking about being clear till the end. Okay, that's the story. Is it true, la'alacha? As we'll see, I don't think so. But that's not the story before. <laughs> it doesn't take anything away from the story. It doesn't take anything away from the story. There are certain Abana who said you're going to pass the international dateline in a way that you're not going to be able to really count properly, which is another issue that you really shouldn't, also shouldn't count with a, with a bracha from the beginning for, the, for similar reasons. And, this being the case, is the biggest wapachich. What if you are potter at a particular moment? If you're potter, you can't fulfill the mitzvah. Let's see, you're a Rahman you're an Aninus. Aninus, an onen is potter. Now, I do mitzvahs. If he's an onen for 24 hours, it happens sometimes. That's it. It's over. Or, what if he's not an onen? He's simply before bar mitzvah. He's before bar mitzvah. Before bar mitzvah, you are exempt from all mitzvahs. And now you become by mitzvah in Sphira. By a show of hands. How many people in this room became by mitzvah during Sphira? Okay. So there are three, three people. What did you do? Did you, did you continue to count with the bracha? You did. What? According to the Avnei Nezer and Rabbi Vad Yosef Shlita, you made wholesale bracha to the Don't go away yet. Don't go away yet. 
because these gedolim say that your first counties didn't count because it was before by mitzvah. So therefore, you you know you just can't pick up. You know, without a bracha, it's not going to hurt you. But slow, slow, slow. Some say can correct? But I'm just saying what these these gedolim say. What is that idea? Same same idea. Same idea. Now, this is the conventional wisdom. Okay. Now I'm going to present you a completely, totally different approach. Totally different approach. And I'm going to give you some sources for it. And now I'm going to quote from my Rebbe's account of the Rebbe from the Rebbe. What if a person forgot to count by night and then he remembered by day? So we already saw the halacha. What can he do? We saw in Tosfus. He can continue the following night with a bro. Why? Who, who wants to guess why? He's still with Tamimus. Stole my whole Shia. But who wants to guess why without stealing my Shia? You look at the Mishnah Brewer, he tells you why. The Mishnah Brewer in the Sharat Sion, it's in the footnotes in the Mishnah Brewer, in Sukkot and Memhe, he tells you why. It's a Sphinx Faker. What does a Sphinx Faker mean? Let's review again. According to some authorities, you can fulfill the mitzvah by day. All the time. And even if they're wrong, so when you count it by day, it didn't count for anything, and you missed the entire 20th, number 20th syrup, because the day count doesn't count for anything, it has to be at night. So what? There are many posts who argue with the Bahad and say you can continue the count with the Brahma. Once again, we have a what? A, help me? Fake, fake. So right to Sharat Siyu. And as a source, he quotes that same Truma Sadeshin. However, it just ain't so. If you look in the Truma Sadeshin, it's not there. Svex Faker, he says, only in the case where you're not sure if you counted or didn't count. But, in the case where you counted by day and not by night, you're sure, no doubt. You know you didn't count at night, 100%. You know you counted by day, 100%. So the fact that you're allowed to maintain the count the next day with a bracha, he gives the following explanation. Quote, Dimitri Shapir Tamimos, Hoa below Dileg Yom Echod Legamre. It's considered to be Tamimos because you didn't skip one day completely. This, in effect, misquotation of the Shara Tzim is not my observation. Rab Zevin, the Forno Lebrocha, in Shana B'Shana, one of the annuals of uh, the Karen Kayemet, which is printed in Tavshin Chafei, already points this out. That the Sharatian didn't quite quote the Truma Sadeshin accurately. So then the question becomes that what exactly did he mean? This is what he means. This is what Rav Zevin says. This is my Rebbe the Rav said. And uh, others, I believe, say it as well. This is very, this is the, my main yourself for tonight. The reason that if you forget one day, you can no longer continue, is not because all 49 uh, days is one mitzvah. Not true. Every day is its own mitzvah. Well, then if you skip three, why can't you say four? Very simple. Take a little baby, give him an account, okay? One, two, three, four. And the baby says, the kid says, one, two, four. He says, no, 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 you can't count that way. That's no count. You can't count one, two, four. You have to count one, two, three, four. So if you miss three, you can't say four. That's all. That's all he means. If you miss three, you can't say four. Now, here's the Kiddush. The Kiddush is its fault. There's a dispute among the poskim. Can you fulfill the mitzvah of Svira Sa'omer in the daytime? Some say only at night. Because to me most, it has to be the entire day, which is the night and the day. And some say no. You can fulfill the mitzvah by day as well. Even those who maintain 
that you cannot fulfill the mitzvah by day, the mitzvah is only at night, will concede that a count by day suffices to what I call maintain the continuity. To maintain the, the wholeness and the completeness of the count. So you're counting one, two, three, four. Now, one is a mitzvah, two is a mitzvah, three is not a mitzvah. Because he did it by day. According to that opinion. Nonetheless, it's the third day. It is the third day. So that count, Hayom Shloshem Omer, which he said by daytime and high noon, is not a mitzvah, but it's sufficient to maintain the continuity. That's how I understand the Shuma Tadesh. We now understand, as Rav Devon explains, a person who is an Onein, Khalil, Rahman al-Islam, lost a relative. For 24 hours between the Tira and the Shvura, he can't count and he's going to go through the entire day. Says the Pitzkei Chu, you know what he does? He counts without a brother and then continues the next night with a brother. What, what, what are you talking about? You can't, you're not allowed to do any mitzvahs in your industry. You're not allowed to do a mitzvah. That's just your example. You're not allowed. Oh, it's not a mitzvah. But... It keeps the, keeps the count going. Says Rav Zevin, all these three or four men who grew up during Sira and counted straight through, it's not a brachal of Atala. Because although when they counted the first 20, 30 days, they did so as Khanim, because they were not yet by mitzvah, it didn't count as a quote mitzvah, as, with respect from the, the perspective of an Adam Gadol over by mitzvah. Nonetheless, the continuity is maintained by the count of a Kodashi This is the explanation of Rav Zed. Now, I want to go back to the women. I want to make sure that you listen very carefully. What about that Mishnah Brura? He said if a woman really should not be encouraged to count with a bracha, because if she forgets, there'll be a bracha levatol. That's what Mishnah Brura said. He quoted a sefer called the Shulchan Shlomo. Hmm. Did he, did he really understand the conventional wisdom? So if you look in the source, in the Sefer Shulchan Shlomo, the Mr. Ruhr left out three words. Again, it's not my observation. It's a Sefer called Sirat Omer. He points this out. What three words did the, Shulchan, did the Mr. Ruhr omit from the quotation of Shulchan Shlomo? We're afraid to forget one day. Listen to the three words. Ve'enon yodos hadin. Remember, this is a generation before we had school for women. They didn't, they didn't go to yeshiva, they didn't, they didn't study properly. And what are we afraid about? She's going to miss day 20, and she'll count 21 till 49 with a bracha. That's what he's afraid about. But there's no fear that she's going to forget day 21, and the first 20 brachas will be what? Levatola. They're not levatola. According to our present understanding, day 1 through 20 are absolutely self-contained mitzvahs. And the reason you can only continue is a totally different one. Because you can't count 120, 22. It doesn't work that way. But the first 20 days do count. And if someone is not going to be able to finish the count because it's going to be in an under operation or corrupting the day phone, things won't be alive, doesn't make a difference according to this chat. You still count as many days as you're able with a, with a bracha. My Rebbe Rav Salavetsi, the Quran and the bracha, said the same shot, and he brought a great riot. From that Rav Sajigon, we spoke about the very beginning of the year. What did Rav Sajigon say? It's like this. If you miss day five, doesn't matter. You miss day one, finished. What's the difference? What's the difference? If it's, oh, if it's, all, if it's all one miss, it makes no sense. Here's the answer. If you miss day five, we can just extrapolate. I counted one, two, three, four. So, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out 
<laughs> the next day is going to be five. And if I omit it in my, from my own mouth, it just counts by itself, keeps right on going. But if I didn't say one, so I never started. So then, then the, the, the whole count is bottled. This only makes sense if you follow this line of reasoning. If you assume that, that all four are one, are one mitzvah, it makes no difference day one or day five. Then Rav Soloveitchik went further than that. To say for Achinuch, write as follows, and I quote, Misha Shochat Yom Echad Yoma. A person forgot day 20. He reminds himself in 21. What should he say? Emesh Hoyo Last night was day tw- was 20. Without a broke. Umoneho Acherim. And he counts the rest of the days in Kol Yisrael. What does that mean? That means according to the Rav Salvation's interpretation. Everyone agrees that you really should require Tzmimos without any, any interruption. You have to go straight from 1 to 49. But the opinion which is lenient actually requires you, according to this understanding, to say yesterday was 20, today is 21. And the Chiddush being that you can count yesterday the next day. We, generally speaking, reject that. Noteworthy also is the expression in Kol Yisrael, which implies that the reason you're able to do this is because the count continued on, on its own by virtue of the fact that all of Israel was counted. Okay, fascinating. So therefore, what emerges is that we are, even if one accepts the opinion of the Bahag, Baalachos Kedolos, one need not necessarily accept the conventional wisdom that all 49 days constitute one mitzvah, we want to give a totally different interpretation. Namely, if you miss a day, you can no longer go on because you just can't skip. You can't skip go one, two, three, four, six. Doesn't work. But in reality, each and every day is a separate and self-contained mitzvah. With all the differences we spoke about. Someone who's an aninus and someone who's a katan and someone who's not going to be able to finish and someone, someone who will be a brachal of atala. The whole, the, all the differences we just spoke about. Now there's one more fascinating uh, point I'd like to bring out. There's a remarkable idea which is found in Shulchan Aruch. Some shuls had a funny custom. They would count, they dive in marble early, and early the symbol shines early before the sun sets. The sun is shining in the sky. <coughs> it was after what we call Plaga Mincha. Let me ask you, do you have an early Mincha on Friday in, in this uh, community? Yes. I know we have one. So they had a custom in those, in those communities. They dive in, I don't know, 6 something, 6.30 or something like that. And then it would finish 7.30. The sun is not going to set till after 8. And at 7.30, they would count Sphere. Without a bro. And now what? Well, if you remember after it gets dark, you count with a bro. But if you don't remember, then at least you counted at 7.30, so you'll be able to keep counting the, the subsequent nights. There's a very major problem over here. What's happening? Does this count? Is it meaningful or is it meaningless? If there's a potential that you fulfill the mitzvah at 7.30 because they have to plug a mincha, then how can you count with a bracha at, at 8.30 or at 9.30? How can you do that? If you already fulfilled the mitzvah at 7.30, we would call that a what? What? Bracha levatol. You already fulfilled the mitzvah without, without, without the bracha. Ellie, you'll tell me that it's not, it's too early. So if it's too early, so what's it worth? It's worthless. 
No, so what? What's the answer? That's it. It keeps the count going. A mitzvah, it's not. Because it's too early. You can't just perform a night mitzvah before the, the sun sets or before you act like Hatila when the stars come out. But it's close enough because you have to plug a mincha that it keeps the count going. This is how I understand it. That's how Rav understood it uh, as well. I must confess that the Mogan Avram has a different interpretation. At the same time, I'm not going to, to read it. It's right here. I'm not even going to open it. But I'm just going to tell you what he said. He said, you know what it is? It's a mitzvah al-hatnai. It's a conditional mitzvah. That if a person uh, counts at 7.30, we're not sure whether it's good or no good. It's a suffix. We don't know. See like this. If I'm going to remember tonight after dark, then let my present pronouncement be null and void. As if I said nothing. But if I'm going to forget tonight, then let my present pronouncement work. Because after all, it's possible that it's the proper time for the fulfillment of the mitzvah. So it's a mitzvah of Sfiras Omer al Hatnat on a condition. Is that clear? That's a different interpretation than we have suggested. <laughs> <coughs> However, it seems to me that the Shulchan Aruch clearly rejects this interpretation. Why? Because the Shulchan Aruch writes in Simon Tovpei Tet Sif Dalit, famous case. He says, "What's tonight in the sphere? Uh, we all know the trick. Yesterday was such and such. But when is this yesterday business required? Only says the Shulchan Aruch, Bein Misha Shol also Right now." It's, it's, it's in the twilight zone, right? Between the, the sunset and the stars coming out. Then you have to be careful. What does that imply? That then, in Ben there's a possibility they already fulfilled the mitzvah if you say what night tonight is, which we're not going to say, of course. But we say yesterday was such and such to play it safe. Now, wait a minute. And before Ben Hashemoshes? What about after Plaga Mincha? No concern. Why not? If the Morgan Avram is right, that there's a possibility that one fulfills the mitzvah of Sphira even before the sun sets. As he said from Plaga Mincha and on, then the Shulchan Aruch should have said, if someone asks you from Plaga Mincha and on, which is an hour and a quarter before the sunset, you should tell him yesterday was such and such. It doesn't require that. Only from the sunset and on. This indicates, as far as I can see, that the Morgan Avram's shot in the Shulchan Aruch is not the correct shot but rather the shot which the Rav suggested is the correct shot. And I'm going to prove it from another way as well. Another, I have another proof. In the original source, it says as follows, the original source of the Din which found its way into the Shulchan Aruch. Listen carefully. It, as many halachas in Shulchan Aruch comes from the base Yosef, of Yosef Karol's lengthier work. Listen what he said. Kosov Rav Dovid Abu the famous Avadrom wrote the parish in the city. Kosev amounts of victory. So let's know that. Rabbi Yosef Karo, Beis Yosef, is quoting the Avadrom, who's quoting the amounts of victory, was the time of Rashi, and we could be students of Rashi. This is exactly our case. They're, 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 they're stabbing too early, they count out a bracha. And what does he say? Imeskor belayla bebeiti. If I remember, I'll count with a broken. But if I 
forgot, I will forget. Okay, this is the thing. Look at the end. It's a non sequitur. Avol harambam kosav imona v'lo birich yoto v'chein ikar. But the Rambam says if one counted without a bracha yoto. What does this do? This destroys the entire possibility of this count after plakamento. Why? Here's the answer. The understanding of the Abedrom is that we have to guarantee that you do not fulfill the mitzvah in the earlier count. Because if there's even the faintest, slimmest possibility that you fulfill the mitzvah in the early count, you can no longer make a bracha in the likelihood that you're going to remember and have a later count. He has to have an ironclad guarantee that you're not Yosef. And he assumes that the only ironclad guarantee that you're not Yosef is if you left out the bracha, and according to the opinion that without a bracha, there is no mitzvah whatsoever. How can that be? Out of bracha, no mitzvah? You can fulfill tefillin without a bracha, and lula without a bracha, and shofar without a bracha, the answer is that there are Rishonim who maintain that the text which should be found in the Siddha is not our text, but rather, Asher Kiddushavu Mitzvah Sivanum Al Siras HaOmer Sheh Hayom Yom Echad Lom with a shin. In which case, you don't have two distinguishable elements, a bracha and a count, but rather one continuum the bracha and the count together. So that the counting is an integral part of the bracha. So it's an integral part of the bracha. You cannot say, well, you know, you can fulfill all mitzvahs without a bracha. Can you fulfill kiddush without a bracha? Can you fulfill birch samaz without a bracha? Of course not, because the bracha is the mitzvah. <coughs> so too, the Abed Ram understood this opinion was that the bracha is an integral part of the mitzvah. Hence, if you count without a bracha early on, guaranteed that it's no mitzvah. He left out the bracha. Nonetheless, it's obvious that the purpose of that early counting is not for the purpose of a mitzvah, but rather what? To maintain the continuity, to keep the count going. And therefore he says, since the Rambam is of the view that you can fulfill the mitzvah without a bracha, this trick won't work, for fear that perhaps <laughs> you fulfill the mitzvah earlier, in which case you can no longer make a bracha subsequently if you remember at night. So we see clearly from this juxtaposition that this is the understanding of the Avadram. It's not based on the, on the mitzvah, it's rather based on maintaining this continuity. There are other proofs to this uh, premise. Uh, the Mavzevitri himself presumably holds that although the bracha is not ma'akeh, nonetheless, he is guaranteed for sure you're not yotzit. Too early. Before the sun set, he's not even a doubt. And therefore the same trick, if you will, can work according to his understanding. It only works to keep the count going, but it's not a mitzvah whatsoever. Okay? There are more things to be said along these lines, but as I said at the beginning, I will devote the last part of my remarks to some divrei agoda concerning Sphira and the uh, upcoming Lagbaum. The Gemara tells us in the Sefti of Amos that Samach Beis Beis 12,000 pairs of students Rabbi Akiva had and they all died from Pesach until Shavuos. The Me'iri, Anatav says, we have a Kabbalah 
that they died only until Lagom. Why did they die? This is one of the most more famous Gemaras. Why did they die? Correct. They did not honor one another. And the question is quite obvious. It's inconceivable to us that the students of Rabbi Akiva, the greatest sage of the time, his students didn't have basic courtesy, respect, one for the other. It's mind-boggling. I have a second question. Why this unusual phrase of 12,000 pairs of students. When I was a kid, that's not how I, grew, I grew up 24,000 students. But you look on the Gemara, it doesn't say that. It says 12,000 pairs. Why 12,000 pairs? And there are two more questions. This tragedy, as the Meiri explains, is commemorated until this day. How? Well, there are some people walking around with what we call Sphira beards. That's a later addition. In the original Me'iri, from the Ge'onim, it says they didn't marry during that period of time. The idea of, of the not shaving is a later addition. And therefore, there are again two more questions. There's so many tragedies in our history. Why do we single this one out for such a lengthy commemoration of, of, of 33 days? And number two, why is refraining from marriage the particular manifestation of this commemoration. I'd like to answer all these questions. In Rabbi Akiva's base Medrash, may we speculate, none of us was there. It was obviously a very intense place. There's Rabbi Akiva. Just imagine the base Medrash. You know, when I Yeshiva have a pretty big base Medrash, but 24,000. There is no, there's no such big, there's no base medicine in the world today that has 24,000 students. I don't know what they did over there. I don't know if they were all in the same base medish, or they had an annex and another, so I don't know what they did exactly. But there was obviously a very intense place. Maybe speculate that they were divided into 12,000 pairs. Because with Torah about Peh, they mastered the teachings of Rabbi Akiva. And the most conducive way to do this Remember how complicated it was? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand it, if you remember the Gemara Menachos, was to have one Chavrusa all day long. They mean to it pairs. They come in in the morning and they learn Torah together the whole day and part of the night. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. I'm just trying to get us out of our, our contemporary idea. You know, today, I have a Chavrusa in the morning, and one in the afternoon, and one at night, and one on weekends, and one uh, ten different No! It was just one Chavrusa the whole time. May I speculate further that Rabbi Akiva's students did in fact treat one another with courtesy and with dignity as behooves every human being, every member of Klal Yisrael for sure. But we may speculate again, again on their level. We don't want to make draw any comparison. But on their level, the Krovaya Kodesh, Hashem is medaktek on their level perhaps they didn't give sufficient respect doesn't mean one to the other 23,000 means one on one one to the other 
Reuben and Shimon studied together. Levi and Yehuda studied together. Perhaps Reuben wasn't respecting Shimon sufficiently, and Levi wasn't respecting Yehuda sufficiently, etc. What does sufficiently mean? Sufficiently means that if you understand the significance and the indispensability of what you're doing, you are studying Rabbi Akiva's Torah, you are linked in a Messorah going back to Har Sinai till the end of days, that was Rabbi Akiva, and you're part of his yeshiva, what you're doing is so significant and so indispensable that the deep spiritual relationship that should be forged between these two study partners, these two chavrusas, who are studying, learning all day together, should be so, so powerful that the level of kavod, honor, that you give one to the other, remember, you're going together in this enterprise, it's so staggering that perhaps Rabbi Akiva's students fell a little bit short, again, on their level of reaching this level of cover which should be given zelazet. This, of course, explains why the expression 12,000 pairs. We're not discussing 24,000. We're only discussing in the relationship of one of the members of the Chavuz to the other. Hence, 12,000 pairs. Why is this particular tragedy commemorated for all time? Here's the answer. It's not just the passing of, 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 of wonderful Tamir of <laughs> This happened so many times in our history. But it's the lesson for all time. And especially the lesson we have to learn at this time in the countdown to Matan Torah. What is this period of time of, of the year about? For us to appreciate the significance and indispensability of Torah Hashem, of, of studying Torah, of accepting the Torah. And if they failed on their level during this period of time, we have to commemorate this failure by uh, certain specific actions so we shouldn't make the same mistake. Let me digress for a moment to quote a famous line of Rabbi Akiva. It's so famous, everybody knows it. Half you sing it even. We read a few weeks ago. Rashi even quotes it. What is that? So we understood usually this is a great cloud which is found in the Torah. The Chassam Sofer has a remarkable explanation. In his Kirisham Sofer, right now, Pastor. He said, you know, the same Rabbi Akiva, who's so into sharing everything equally, Kamocha, is the same Rabbi Akiva when the Gemara Mesechta Baba Messiah tells us as follows. Two Jews are wandering in the desert. They have one canteen of water. Ben Ketuvah says they split the canteen and if they both die, they both die. <coughs> what does Rabbi Akiva say? It's my water, it's my canteen, I drink it, because Chayecha Kodmin but you're first. the contradiction. Here he says, even. And there he says, you, you have priority, you have precedent. Answer the Chasam Sofa remarkably. In physical matters, to sustain your life with water, you have the right to come first. But Torah, when it comes to the spiritual, the Ahavta Equal. Sharing. You are not ahead of anybody else. There's no proprietary interest in Torah. 
Zeklal Godal, not in the Torah. With respect to Torah, a remarkable understanding of the Chassam Sof. Perhaps we could modify it a little bit. Rabbi Akiva is referring to the special Chavrusa relationship of which we just spoke. And he's saying when it comes to this Torah relationship, that's we have to reach the level of Yahaf which demands of us an incredibly high level of Noah Kavad Zebazet. And this incredibly high level is what was lacking, again on their level, by the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiva. And as a matter of fact, your failure to achieve this Kavad Zebazet is not a failure in your interpersonal relationship, Rabbi Akiva is saying. It's your failure to appreciate the profundity, the significance, the indispensability of this spiritual relationship of studying Torah to Hashem and passing the Mitzvah from Sinai to Rabbi Akiva's base Medish till the end of days. Why is it that we don't marry then? It's remarkable. The very line in the Gemara Yavama Samachbezim Adbez that ends the story of Rabbi Akiva and his students continues and talks about marriage. The same sugya. You have to love your wife as you love yourself. Perhaps Rabbi Akiva understood that although you have to love every single Jew, but the kamocha in the literal sense, you can't do it. The Torah doesn't expect us to be angels. You can love a Jew you never met as much as you love yourself. It's just hard to, to imagine. So Rabbi Akiva is limiting the kamocha dimension literally to the deep spiritual relationship. And he gives two examples. One is Yechavrusa, we're going to be learning Rabbi Kiva's Torah. And the second is your spouse. Because what we're being taught over here is that marriage is a deep spiritual relationship which requires husband and wife to be noe kovah zebezeh on the highest level. Oh, kigufa and mechavda what? Yosem I don't think it's required of Chavus to be Yosem Here it's even higher. And perhaps it's because of the failure during this period of time to understand the depth of a spiritual relationship that we don't marry. Not because of Avelis. Or not allowed to get married. But rather because it's not a propitious time. It's a simonra. It's a time where we, we fail to appreciate deep spiritual relationships. I must tell you, and this is how I conclude, that this of our Torah I think it's a, an interesting one. I found just this year a further proof to this fundamental premise. It came to my attention that the Medrash has a different formulation of the story of Rabbi Akiva. Different formulation. Quote, Rabbi Akiva instructs his seven new students. I believe the Gemara has five. Medrash has seven. After the 24,000 died. Quote, says the Rishonim Haya Enam Sar Batora Zelazet. What is that? Not Shalom Ogokov Zelazet. As a matter of fact, I saw in the, the Lekach Tov, quotes from the Mashkiach, I think, Mabchatka Levinstein, it's a question. It's a contradiction. In the Gemara, it says, Shalom Ogokov Zelazet. Yet in the Medrash, it says, Shalom Enam Sar Batora. What does it mean? They were stingy in their Torah one to the other. And he asked the question, the contradiction of the Medrash of the Gemara, and he goes on his whole way. The way we understand it, it's beautiful. 
It's the same thing. This is exactly what the Chassam self has said. What does stinginess mean? If I own something, so it's my property, so I can be a generous fellow and share with you, or I can have a more proprietary attitude. It's really mine. I'm not going to share equally with you. That's exactly what happened to Rabbi Kibbutz Talmidim. They show you, Einem Torah B'Torah. We can understand it. Let me give you a, a, a common example to see where, how we have a way to go. Just imagine the defining hypothetical. There's a, a, a Rebbe in a yeshiva, or there's a Rebbe in a shul, and he's doing very nicely. He has 25 Talmidim in his, in his, in his shir, maybe he has 100 Balabatim in his shul, and it's fine and dandy. Things start to develop, and before you turn around, down the hall in the yeshiva, there's all of a sudden new shir, 50 Talmidim. There's a new shul down the block, 200 Balabatim. Now, if the first Rav or Rebbe is human, as we all are, and he has any scintilla of the idea of a proprietary attitude towards Torah, it's going to bother him. It's going to be Eino Tsar. It's going to rub it him a little bit. And unfortunately, we know the result of some of these problems I won't go into it now. And perhaps on their level, this is the problem of Rabbi Akiva Samidim, because they didn't realize that, as Chasam Sofa said, Torah. In Torah, there's no proprietary ownership. It's not like a jug of water. And therefore, precisely because they fail to appreciate the significance and indispensability of Torah, for which reason there could be no proprietary ownership of Torah. Nothing. For that reason, though, no sufficient cover there, on the one hand. And on the other hand, two sides of the same coin. So this Medrash formulation it's not a contradiction to the Gemara, but according to my understanding, it's an affirmation of the same principle. It's my feel, it's my hope that all of us, when we go through the counting of Sphira in its halachic sense, and we understand the significance of this story of the Kiva students in the Hashkafic sense, we'll be able to learn the lessons of Sphira to Omer. And the merit of our proper countdown to Kabbalah Satara, we should be privileged to be Kabbalah Satara this year and every year with great joy. Thank you for listening.